The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You're now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. I just found out that um, Dr. Chung here is actually, uh, I mean, I knew it wasn't just now, but it's, he's a Nuka chiropractor. We, we had a Nuka chiropractor on before. But I specifically wanted to have him on today because we're going to be talking about the vagus nerve. And it's a big nerve, and it's a big topic. And um, I'm very excited about it because I know that the vagus nerve connect, connects the brain to, you know, I was thought, you know, always thought the gut, but it's actually many, many things that the vagus nerve is connected to and is helping to run and facilitate, um, which is actually, you know, when I looked at it, man, I was like, wow, it's like it, it it's working not just on the digestive tract, you know, the stomach and the intestines, but lungs and heart and spleen and liver and not to mention kidneys, not to mention like other nerves that are involved in everything from eye contact and facial expressions and, you know, your ability to t- just to tune into other people's voices and on and on it goes. So this is a pretty important uh, nerve. It's a big nerve, the vagus nerve. And that's why we had, uh, we have an expert here, Dr. Jonathan Chung. I actually uh, ran into him at the Hippocrates Health Institute back after Christmas, and he was giving a whole talk on the vagus nerve. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got to meet this guy. I, this is a perfect topic to bring on the show. I know our listeners are going to uh, just love it. And um, so, Jonathan, dude, thanks for taking time out of your busy day. I know you just got done seeing a patient. You're going to do this podcast and probably go back to seeing some more patients. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. So I guess my first question would be, um, you know, what, uh, why did, why did you, why did you want to jump on the podcast when you got a busy schedule and that stuff? What's, what's, what's so exciting that you want to take a, take your lunch break and, uh, tell people about the vagus nerve? Um, well, one of my passions is education. So I teach quite a bit. So I, you know, I teach at Hippocrates one time per month and I actually teach and lecture to chiropractors on neurology and topics involving the brain and the central nervous system and how we as chiropractors can have like a really profound influence on the functionality of the nervous system. So talking about you know topics that people don't necessarily know all that much about, but I think are really important, this is a great way to just impact our communities so that they become more educated health consumers and know what things they could do, especially on their own, that could really improve their own quality of life. And that's one of the core mission um, of my own life is to help improve the quality of life for you know everyone that I interact with. Thanks, man. And as you guys know, I always pride myself on finding uh, cool people that are actually getting results in their own life. And I saw Jonathan in person, and he's super fit and takes care of himself. And that's awesome. Do you ever partake in the green juices at Hippocrates when you swing by? Uh, I'll be taking green juices. I have, you know, I do a little bit of juicing at home. I'll drop by the different juice shops. It's definitely something I, I embrace quite a bit. Um, but I, I'm, I'm indiscriminate. I love uh, the orange juices. I love the green juices. I'll do, uh-huh. I'll do juices of any kind if it's uh, organic and raw. Oh, that's cool, dude. That's really cool. And you guys have a lot of that down in, in South Florida and there are lots of juice bars and places and 
There were some nice restaurants like Christopher's and yeah, um, places. Is, is Darbsters? Is Darbsters still open down there? Yeah, Darbsters is still open. I haven't been there in a little while, but it's definitely uh, a place that I've sent some of my patients to for for dinner and lunch, and they've been super thrilled with the, with the recommendation. Yeah, it's good to find some of those high end uh, raw food restaurants that are serving really good organic, uh, you know, food that's chefed up real nice and they got fresh ingredients. It, it makes a big difference when you're um, eating fresh foods always, not just to how it tastes, but how you're physically feeling your body. All right, man. So how did you end up uh, becoming, uh, you know, for, well, you, I know you love education. That's why I love you. And you also like, you know, you're like training the trainers, you're, you're training the other doctors. So that's, that says a lot. And then these doctors are hopefully training their, their clients, right? Um, because it's really about, and for the listeners out there, I just want to, you know, I want to thank you for, for showing up um, and listening to me and my guests on these podcasts, because we're here for you. We want to give you guys, you know, empower you with information so that you can take the second step, which is taking action on that information and improve your life. My mission is always to help you self-heal. It's always to help you become your own doctor, raise your vibrational frequency, Tap in, tune in, and turn on to that which is most important, which is that unconditional love that's flowing to you all the time. But a lot of times it's in these clouds get in the way with social conditioning and parental conditioning. And it's talks like this and education that's going to help us break through this stuff, get educated, and realize the importance of not only our own value, but certain parts of our human body like the vagus nerve. It's a, it's kind of, it's a big deal. We're going to get into that today. So um, I just want to thank the listeners for tuning in. All right, so Jonathan – how did you, I mean, where did you grow up at? Did you grow up in Florida? And how did you, you know, work your way into becoming a Nuka chiropractor and an educator? Um, yeah, so I've been born and raised in Florida. I grew up, I was, you know, kind of an athlete. I played baseball um, throughout my life. And when it was time to go to college, you know, growing up in a Chinese household, I always had a couple of choices of the uh, occupation. I could either become a doc doctor, I could become an engineer. And that was kind of my uh, my two choices. I ended up choosing the doctor route, but prior to going to chiropractic school, I had no idea um, the differences between different healthcare fields. So I would kind of just assume I was going to go become a medical doctor. Um, but one of my best friends um, growing up, he his dad was a chiropractor or is a chiropractor, and he knew he wanted to go to chiropractic school basically from the outset. So just kind of was helping him out with different things, and he was telling me about chiropractic. I ended up seeing his dad for, you know, taking care of my spine after going through some sports injuries. And I found that it really helped me with things like having like these nagging headaches that would come up every now and then. And, you know, some aches from playing baseball throughout the years. And just from watching him practice and looking at how he worked and just from understanding the self-healing philosophy of chiropractic, it's something that made a lot of sense to me. And when I looked at the contrast between a medical allopathic route and the chiropractic route, you know, the way that I lived my life was never congruent with the medical allopathic route anyway, because when I got sick, I would always just like, you know, eat, eat well, get lots of fluids and just wait for like, if I had a fever, we would just wait for the fever to kind of burn out and yeah. then let my body kind of deal with it. Like before um, the age of 30, 38, I had never even been on an antibiotic before. So that's how long I had gone without ever taking an antibiotic. So this is, you know, not something that's very common. <clears throat> so a holistic type of approach was something that always resonated with me because that's how I lived my life um, to begin with. So I ended up going to chiropractic school 
that was doing what we, you know, most people know in chiropractic, which you call traditional chiropractic, which is, you know, a lot of the Gunstead, a lot of the full spine style chiropractic, which is great. But then I was listening to an upper cervical speaker who was talking about the role of the Atlas. And he was talking about how he took care of people using NUCA. And that's something that really vibed well with me. So I visited his practice and I was kind of blown away because one of the first patients that I saw when I was shadowing was this patient with Parkinson's disease. He walked in and he had this really bad tremor in his right hand. And then, you know, after he got adjusted, he rested for 20 minutes, he walked out and the tremor was not even there anymore. And that just kind of blew me away that within such a short period of time of doing some such a profound adjustment to someone that something like a Parkinsonian tremor could show obvious signs of improvement. It just kind of blew me away. And I, that is amazing, dude. That's, 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 that's phenomenal. And from what I know about Nuka, it's, it's about micro adjustments on the precision level, right? It's, I mean, very, very precise and certain angles. And just like, it's, it's just like in a, a Nuka chiropractor, the patient doesn't even know they're getting adjusted, right? So Correct. this is really cool because you guys can do actual um, clinical trials on stuff on this because it's kind of like giving somebody a sugar pill. They don't know if they're actually getting the the drug or herb or getting sugar. So that placebo effect there is that you guys can actually do that because yeah. they don't know if they're getting adjusted or not. And then, the, you know, you, you probably know about those studies, right? What I'm talking about. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's actually one of the highest rated uh scientific publications to ever get published within chiropractic was actually involving NUCA because we published a paper about high blood pressure where the doctor was able to do a real NUCA adjustment and also a placebo adjustment. And the real adjustment had the same blood pressure lowering effect in you know moderate hypertension patients as the equivalent of two blood pressure medications. So it was one of the first times that there was a legitimate placebo controlled trial of a chiropractic intervention on something that wasn't just purely a musculoskeletal pain issue. Right. Um, and, that, and again, yeah, with z- zero, zero side effects, Correct. Right? the difference between the Correct. drugs, drugs are always coming with a, a litany of side effects. Anybody that's, you know, ever turned a television set on it, <laughs> God forbid you had to wade through uh, commercials and, you know, commercial breaks, a third of them are pharmaceutical drug ads. And it's like, Oh, are you, you know, is, is, are you feeling down? You tired and da, da, da. And then it's like, take, you know, X, Y, Z, Zimbalta or whatever. And then they show people, you know, dancing through the field. And then, then there's like a minute of this could cause increased gambling or neuropathy and you could, you could die. And it's like, why would you want to put that in your body when you can go in and get a, um, a, a micro adjustment in this case, another perfect example that nature can heal a, another a human being from nature, studying something, learning about the body going in micro adjustment and the dudes, the dudes tremors on his hand stop like that. People don't realize like if you have tremors in your hand, it's, it can be an emotional deal or it can be embarrassing. You can feel less than, um, how are you going to sign a check or write something? Maybe you like writing or drawing, um, or just buttoning a shirt, right? So buttoning a shirt just becomes like this big ordeal when you can't control the movement of your hand. So yeah, it was, it was a big deal. And when I saw that happen, I was like, all right, life changing. I need to learn how to do this because this is something that I want to give everyone that I take care of. And then that kind how, of took me down the route of Nuka. How old were you? When um, you at the time, let's see. So I was, you know, in my last year of chiropractic school. So I was about 26. Okay. Yeah. 26 years old. 
And just for a reframe, just to update on chiropractic, because um, I actually teach a class local here called Healthy Chiropractic. And what I like to do is I, I, um, I take complicated subjects and try to make them, uh, you know, understandable for people like me. <laughs> like just, <laughs> I, I don't like complicated stuff. So, you know, one thing I, I know about uh, chiropractic is that a lot of people, there's a lot of jokes out there on TV and stuff like that. Like, oh, chiropractors aren't real doctors. But if you look up the hours that you have to study versus a medical doctor, it's it's almost the same. I mean, it's very similar. It's like 8,000 hours or something, if I remember right. Can, can you refresh us on that? Yeah, I mean, the number of biological science hours is definitely comparable. So we spend a lot of time on the anatomy, physiology, radiology, things like that, where medical students are going to veer off and do a lot more study on pharmacology, pathology, things of that nature. But, sure. you know, we spend a lot of time in books learning you know, the anatomy and physiology of how all these things work. So, yeah, we spend quite a bit of time in, uh, in school. And do you, do you see the body as a whole system or segregated as parts? Um, I see it as a whole. So we always see that when we make an intervention on something that we're going to have downstream consequences on other systems. And it's a big part of chiropractic is especially when you look at the nervous system as a whole, you can't do something to the nervous system without also impacting all the other systems of the body. And the goal is just finding the right combination of things that we can do to help the nervous system function in a state of balance. When we talk about the vagus nerve and the the sympathetic nervous system and how they have to be in a state of balance in order to achieve health. You know, we have to find ways of stimulating the nervous system in a way to achieve that balance because it's easy to push someone too far into that sympathetic fight or flight stress mode. Even when yeah. we think that we're doing something healthy for them, for that person's brain, it might not be healthy for them in that moment in time. So we're always got to figure out how do we fine tune our treatments towards the people that are in front of us. So I did have a question for you. It's kind of fun. Like um, uh, one of my chiropractors, I won't say who it is because I can't get him <clears> in trouble, but um, he taught me how to adjust him certain adjustments. He wouldn't let me adjust his neck because he wasn't, you know, but so what was that like when you're in chiropractic school and you have to make, you, you mentioned earlier, it was like, it started with a G that old gone, gone stead, yeah. right? It's kind of, yeah. that one's more kind of like, you know, the, it kind of, you know, it's, it's yes. about speed. It's about speed and, you know, getting Correct. through. Okay, so what was it like to do your first adjustment with somebody's head in your hand where you, you know, you, you twist their head? Was that, is that a little, is everybody kind of a little like anxious about that or doing that in the beginning? What was it like in school? Um, yeah, I would say it's like, it's always a little bit nervous when you're, especially when you're working on the person's neck, um, <laughs> when you're working on like the thoracic spine and the lower back, you know, it's a little bit less anxious because you know, like the consequences of a bad adjustment to those areas aren't nearly as bad as the consequences of a bad adjustment to the neck. But yeah. when you just look at you, know, the history of manual medicine interventions, like even bad chiropractic and even bad manual therapies, it's still fairly difficult to hurt someone yeah. that way. Um, it's certainly not easy to help someone heal, but it is fairly difficult to like really hurt someone quite badly. Um, and not to say that it's impossible for it to happen because certainly it happens, um, you know, throughout the country, there's people that are hurt by, you know, bad manipulations performed by chiropractors or massage therapists or physical therapists. But when you compare that to the number of spinal manipulations that take place that are happening around the world by both trained and untrained people, the amount of people that are getting really badly hurt by it is pretty minuscule. Yeah. 
low, low, statistically low. And that's why it's important to always find somebody good in a profession, no matter what the profession is, just because it's a profession, like going to see, Oh, you're a medical doctor. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Like what, how does that person take care of themselves in their life? Are they, are they really passionate about it? Are they good at it? You know, and then how are they trained? We know how they're trained. So I, I get, there's like 60% of uh, surgeries are unnecessary. There's, you know, I lost, um, a really good friend of mine, uh, David Clark. Uh, I was on his podcast. We are Superman. The guy was like a 300 and you know, 20 pound plus overweight guy, prescription drug act and alcoholic lost his family over it. And then he got his shit together and became a 170 pound vegan ultra marathoner and finished over 3,100 mile races. And then he became an addiction coach and a weight loss coach. Well, David went in, he was actually training for a, uh, a boxing match at age 48. <laughs> he does this out of nowhere. He's going to start boxing at age 48 and he tore his Achilles and I worked with him. And we actually sped uh, side story. We sped up his healing a third of the time by doing certain things. And the doctors were amazed. They're like, I don't know how you did this, but just keep doing what you're doing. He literally healed his Achilles in a third of the time, which is kind of like normal over here for us. But um, he, he had to go in for a routine back operation and messed up complication and, and he died and we lost David. So mm. uh, that was really unfortunate because um, we, were, we were planning on doing a lot together and he was going to be one of my coaches over here at Chemical Free Body and it was going to be awesome, but it wasn't to be. And that was, uh, you know, things happen um, in, in any industry. So, okay. So you, um, so you're an athlete you decided to get into, you, you're kind of forced. Um, you had to be in your mom and dad, engineer or doctor. You had to pick one, uh, Asian background. I get it. Um, my kids, um, uh, their mom's, uh, Asian. So, um, <laughs> I, it's like, they're, it's like, you have to get a plus, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Tiger mom effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And they, they owned it. And her, her parents uh, owned a restaurant and talk about working your butts off. I mean, they work six days a week and on their day off, they were at Costco buying food for, <laughs> to starting over the next day again mm -hmm. so clean it up but uh, hard working folks all right man we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to get into the vagus nerve what it's all about what are the what are the problems that are associated with uh, not having a fully functioned vagus nerve we'll be right back turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across india and southeast asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body Turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution helps against inflammation and pain. Turmeric 100 is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% organic, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, health heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Jonathan Chung. Today we are talking about the vagus nerve. It's the gut-brain connection, and um, it's a connector for sure. All right, so why don't we just start off? Uh, why don't you just give us the you know the fifth grade uh, breakdown? What's the vagus nerve, and what's what's the what's its job? What does it do in this this system, this amazing system we call the human body? Great. So in order to understand the vagus nerve, we have to understand a couple of fundamentals about the nervous system. So. When you think about the nervous system, we're mainly talking about the brain and the spinal cord. So the brain controls all of our thoughts, but it also controls all of our movements and all the release of glands and hormones. So anything that happens in the body has to happen basically with the brain's monitoring and with some of the brain's input and control with it. And then you have these cables that come off the spinal cord and the brainstem that are called nerves, and those transmit the messages from the brain to go out to different parts of the body. 
the ones that come from the spine, they're going to go out into our muscles. So they're the ones that control our biceps and our quads and our legs. And then you have branches that come off something called the sympathetic chain, which are going to go into our organs, like our heart and lungs and digestive organs. And then you have this nerve that sits at the base of the brain at this chunk of brain called the brainstem. When we think about the brainstem, we want to think about the stuff that keeps us alive. So the brainstem is actually what keeps our body alive and going. Most of the people time when we think about, you know, death, we look at the heart. And when the heart stops, we tend to think of that, okay, that person has died. But in reality, when someone has officially died is when there's no more neural activity at the level of the brainstem. Because once the brainstem dies, then there's no more messages that are going out to any of our organ systems. So from the brainstem, there's this nerve called the vagus nerve. It's called cranial nerve number 10. So we have 12 cranial nerves. The vagus nerve is the 10th one. And it's one of the longest nerves in the body. So it actually goes from the brainstem and it travels down through the neck and it's going to touch the vocal cords. It's going to go into the thyroid. It's going to travel into the lungs, into the heart, the esophagus. It's going to go through the diaphragm and it's going to go into all of our digestive organs as well. And this nerve is not only giving messages to these organs, but it's also one of the main sensory nerves that is giving feedback to the brain about what's happening inside of the organ systems. So whenever you eat something and something is going into your digestive tract, your brain knows what's happening in your digestive tract because every time that your internal organs contract, it's going to feel what's inside of the digestive tract and it's going to send a message back to the brain and say, hey, everything is okay, keep going as planned. Or if there's something like inflammation that's in the digestive tract, it's going to send a message to the through the vagus nerve back up to the brain and says, oh, there's something bad going on here. We need to do something about this. So that vagus nerve is not only just an important nerve that controls what happens to the organs, but it's a really, really important nerve for getting feedback about what's happening inside of your organ systems. And this includes the heart and includes the lungs. All of these organ systems need to give feedback to the brain about what's happening so the brain can know what to do about that. So that's the fundamental thing about the vagus nerve. There's also so a the, cool the thing. vagus nerve is kind of like the telegraph line then. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's like, dee, dee, dee. it's like taking the transmission back to the brain. This is what's going on. Then the brain sends signals back to the organ, tells it what to do. Yep. 100%. Perfect. And there's two really cool, unique features about the vagus nerve that are really important to me. The first thing is that there's a reflex that happens with the vagus nerve. So when you think about the reflex, Tim, what do you think about? Um, like hitting below my knee and my leg kicking out. <laughs> you right. know that little so, spot. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. So when the doctor takes out that hammer, he taps the knee and then your knee kicks. And this is happening without the permission of your brain. So your brain doesn't need to be part of that equation for that reflex to happen. Right. So there's actually a reflex in your internal organ systems that's transmitted through the vagus nerve. So when your vagus nerve senses that there's inflammation, especially through the gut, a message is going to travel through the vagus nerve up into the brainstem, and the brainstem is immediately going to send a message back down to the gut that says, calm down the inflammation. Mm. So this acts like a reflex. So whenever you have an infection or there's an autoimmune process or anything that's triggering inflammation inside of the gut, your nerve is going to detect that. It's going to send the message up to the brainstem and your brainstem says, oh, there's inflammation here. We got to make sure that there's not too much inflammation. So just like your knee kicks out, there's actually a reflex that gets sent down to through the nerve that says, calm that inflammation back down. So that way it keeps that inflammation in balance because inflammation isn't good or bad, but it can be inappropriate. 
when there's an infection, inflammation is good because you want to get rid of that infection. But when there's no infection and there's stuff that's happening without the brain's permission, and that's where inflammation could get out of control and actually cause damage to our own bodies through the out of control nervous or immune system. So that's you know what one. you know what blows my mind is like how fast it is. Yeah, like the response time, like when just like when you tap your knee, it's it's almost instantaneous. So you apparently your, your leg kicks out, and it's like these this pathway, this neural pathway through the vagus nerve is like the signals are what if you guys measured the speed is like it's like speed of light or i mean it's super fast well if you think about how big the body is and that some of these nerve messages are traveling on average of like 300 miles per hour so like you're traveling 300 miles per hour so these nerve impulses are traveling this that span in like what feels like fractions of a second right yeah but you have all these nerves that are transmitting those messages so these messages can actually happen you know, much, it seems like it's happening much faster than that too. So 300 miles an hour, that's faster than the Autobahn over in Germany. Just to, yeah. <laughs> and it's a yeah. short distance. So it's like, it's, it's yep. happening really fast. That's really cool. And you have pretty, lots of nerves imp- carrying that message. It's a really impressive system. It really is. You know, the brain connected to this, you have this like a cardiovascular system that pumps our blood. We have the neural system that is basically a signaling communication telegraph line going back and forth to almost all parts of our body. It's, it's like the brain is like, in the, is like the control panel. And then the, the nervous system is, is um, it's just like, it's like a home, right? You have a control panel and then you got wires going all over the place. One going to the bathroom, the toilet, the kitchen, and one goes to the refrigerator, which could be, you could be your heart, right? It's a, it's it's similar parallels. It's funny how we build homes. It's kind of modeled after our bodies. Really interesting. So the electricity, the electric, because I know our bodies are electric, our hearts an electric beep, you know, it's like beep on the EKG. So how, how important is that um, electric flow to having and maintaining, uh, especially in the vagus nerve, uh, to maintaining a healthy body and a happy life? Oh, it's hugely important. So anytime that this communication system breaks down, so the way you like to think about it is like, <clears throat> if their brain's like the CEO for the body, and the CEO has all these employees inside of the body that are trying to work and do their own thing. A lot of these body parts can do their own thing independently, but you might not want some of your employees to have too much independence, right? Because some of your employees might screw things up. And if it's happening under your watch and you don't know about it, then you have organs that are doing things that they're not necessarily supposed to be doing. So it's the brain's job in order to get the feedback from these organ systems and say, you're doing a good job, keep going. Or if you notice that one of these organ systems are not working that well, then the brain has to give feedback to correct that problem so it doesn't actually turn into a disease process. So the importance of the electrical system is that it keeps the CEO of the body in charge of these systems so that these systems don't operate out of control because it's the brain's job ultimately to make sure that not just each system is uh, doing their own thing. Let's make sure that it's doing all the things that are necessary to keep the body as a whole functioning very, very well. Um, because when there's a breakdown in that communication system, and we'll see some of the fundamental aspects of this is you'll see someone that might have like numbness inside of their hands. So numbness inside their hands is a hallmark of a nerve that has gone wrong. So when you have this numbness, that means your brain's not getting good signaling coming from your hands. So we need to restore the flow of the nervous system into that hand so you get the proper signal that comes in and says, hey, there's nothing that's tingling on my hand. It's actually something that's an illusion because that nerve isn't working well. And we think about it when it comes, most importantly, when it comes to heart rate. So if your heartbeat 
is beating independently, your heart rate will actually be about 100 beats per minute. So that's how much the heart can beat without any control from the nervous system. And if we think about our resting heart rate, what should our resting heart rate be approximately for most people? It's somewhere uh, between about 60, 60 70 beats yeah. per minute. Yeah. Anything above 70, we think, oh, this person's heart rate is not optimized. It's not ideal. So if our heart is beating at 100 beats per minute by default, then you need your vagus nerve to actually slow down your heart rate to bring it down to that 60 beats per minute or so. So that's one of the first signs that you might have some issues with the vagus nerve is that if your resting heart rate is a little bit elevated, it could be a vagus nerve problem. It could be you know a blood pressure control problem. It could be a lot of things. But one thing that is for sure is that control of your heart rate might be a little bit dysregulated because that nerve um, is not working that well. So that's one aspect of it. The other way that we'll actually physically measure that your vagus nerve function is by taking the information from your heart rate and getting something called heart rate variability information. And that's something that you might be able to get from like a whoop strap, a Fitbit, your Apple watch. So a lot of these um, wearables that have like recovery score on them, it's yeah. actually using heart rate variability to measure what your recovery score is because it's a soft measurement of what your vagus nerve is actually doing. So what is the most exciting thing that you've learned about the vagus nerve? So one of the most exciting things that's come out in the past five or six years is that the vagus nerve actually plays a really important role in something called neuroplasticity. So have you ever heard of neuroplasticity? Yes, I have. Can you break that down for us? Sure thing. So plasticity is this concept that your brain is very changeable. About 40 years ago, we used to think that the amount of neurons that you had in your brain was very static. So whatever you had, you know, within the first few years of life, that's all you were going to get. And your brain is kind of unchangeable from that. But now we know that your brain is really changeable. It's just changeable through the process of learning. We're capable of learning all the time. And we could actually use neuroplasticity to actually change the outcome of different disease processes. And one of the most important places where we use neuroplasticity is in traumatic brain injury and stroke. So when someone has a traumatic brain injury or a stroke, that means there are actually damaged neurons inside of your brain. And if we went by the old paradigm of 40 years ago, if you had damaged neurons inside of your brain, then in theory, you shouldn't be able to get function back after a stroke or after a traumatic brain injury. But we know now is that with good rehabilitation, we could actually get those neural connections to start to work better again. We might not be able to grow new brain cells out of nowhere, although it does happen at a very, very slow rate. But more importantly, we could actually change the wiring of the brain so that the parts of the brain that were damaged, we could use other parts of the brain to actually substitute for the function of the part that was damaged. So let's say that you had a stroke and you had a weakness of your right hand because of the stroke affected your left brain. So those neurons that controlled your left hand are damaged. You might not be able to get them back again, but you could actually train other parts of your brain to actually do the job of those old neurons so you could get some of your hand function back through this process of neuroplasticity. So a few it's kinda, years it's ago- It's kind of like, a, it's like a, a, a bypass surgery without a knife in your brain. 100%. Like a heart bypass. 100%. Like you're taking nerves and you're like, your body's literally like, oh, this nerve pathway is kind of damaged. I'm just going to make a new one over to this part of the brain. I'm going to train this part of the brain to help me move my right arm again. Correct. Exactly right. So about six or seven years ago, there's a engineer that actually um, did an interesting study where he did an implant into the vagus nerve of some of these patients with stroke. And what he did was he did something called closed loop vagus nerve stimulation. So that means he was able to 
use a button to trigger that person's vagus nerve to fire at whatever time period that they wanted it to fire. So they were taking these patients that had stroke and they were going through a stroke rehabilitation process. And whenever they trained the vagus nerve to fire, when they were trying to use their damaged nerve, they would actually find that the vagus nerve stimulation actually helped the patient cut down their rehab time in about half. So just by stimulating the vagus nerve while you're trying to learn a new activity, it actually increased and doubled the time that it, uh, or accelerated the time that it took to learn that activity um, just by doing a soft stimulation of your vagus nerve at the same time that you did that activity. So let's say that my hand was damaged and I'm trying to learn how to use my hand to pick something up. So if I had a pencil in front of me, every time that I successfully got my fingers around the pencil and picked it up, and if you stimulated that vagus nerve, then you're twice as likely to be able to learn that activity and you're twice as fast going to learn that activity with that vagus nerve activity than if you didn't have that vagus nerve activity, which is something that's really cool for the rehabilitation space, especially for these cases of brain injury, nerve damage, or um, stroke. I really need that. I need to I need to stick an implant on my vagus nerve and zap myself all the time when I'm learning guitar. <laughs> I think so I can learn probably, faster. <laughs> there's probably gonna be a role for that because we could do that what we talked about was not was invasive vagus nerve stimulation, right? So obviously we don't want to just cut people open and right. no, stimulators in there. But there's soft ways to stimulate the vagus nerve as well. So there's devices now that are available where you could put a clip on your ear and you could send electrical signals into your ear to stimulate the vagus nerve. In our office, we use something called a gamma core where we will put a electrode onto your neck and we'll stimulate the vagus nerve that way. And are you doing that be- while you're doing adjustments or what was what's the purpose of stimulating it in that setting? Are you having them actually do activities as TBI, traumatic brain injury patients or what? Yeah, yeah, we do. So in addition to doing NUCA, so NUCA is one part of my practice, but the other part of my practice is something called functional neurology, where we will do this brain-based rehabilitation for patients. And when we're doing some of the brain-based rehabilitation, we will add vagus nerve stimulation as someone's program for helping to learn to get their balance back or to learn how to walk better again or to you know, do things and recover certain aspects. Like we work with a lot of MS patients from Hippocrates. And one of the things that we'll do is we'll light up their vagus nerve for four to six minutes, and then we'll have them, you know, do their walking training right after that. And that's part of their rehabilitation program for, you know, trying to get function back after having a, a neurological disorder like MS. Wow. That, that This is a huge, this part right here, we just is like, to me, it's a big takeaway. So for people and I'm going to have you go deeper in this really quick and give us the who, who could benefit from this the most. But like, um, I, I, you know, I, we get a lot of people over here with traumatic brain injuries. There's a lot of it, like car accidents. And, uh, you know, I work with fighters, you know, professional fighters and stuff like that. And, um, you know, people that stroked out, mm-hmm. um, my, bu- my buddy, Sean Enton was actually doing jujitsu and some guy like crushed his artery. And then a couple of days later, he, he stroked out and, yeah. had to learn how to walk and talk again. He's been in severe pain for a long time and um, he's doing amazing. I mean, I like, I mean, literally it's amazing that he's even alive. So my download, what I'm feeling right now is I just want to pause for a moment and, and think about those of you that are listening today, if it's not yourself, it is that hopefully this will resonate with you. But if it's not uh, maybe some people, you know, that have had traumatic brain injuries um, that have had strokes um, that have, uh, have MS, what are some other things that you help them out with for Vegas stimulation? Um, those are the big ones, but the, another big one that we haven't mentioned yet is something called dysautonomia. 
So dysautonomia is a class of disorders where your autonomic nervous system just doesn't really work at all. Um, so the classic one is something called POTS, which has become more prevalent with um, you know a lot of people that have had uh, either COVID issues or COVID vaccine issues. They develop um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, where whenever they get up from sitting to standing too fast, their heart rate will actually start to go a little bit out of control. It feels like they're having yeah. a panic attack. Yeah, I've heard about that a lot of symptoms. Yeah, heard about that the, yeah, it's a big deal. It's um, it's happened throughout time because of viral issues. So classically, a lot of patients that have had Epstein-Barr virus infections or really bad flus, they'll develop this dysautonomia condition. But with COVID, it's kind of happened quite a bit with that too. Yeah, And it's, then, it's the hallmark of patients with really bad vagus nerve function or a fight or flight system that has just become super dominant. So then they, um, then they get a lot of anxiety around that too. And they just don't want to go anywhere and become a hundred percent, a hundred percent want to get up and their heart rate goes through the roof. Scary Correct. stuff. It so is. again, vagus nerve stimulation, guys, this is a good takeaway. It's like something you could do, um, find a practitioner in your local area. You could also consult with Jonathan. I'll put your contact information at in the bottom, uh, cause we're still just in the second segment here, but, um, very, very interesting stuff, doc. Um, I think it's, uh, Really good work that you're doing over there. And um, all right, so what I'm going to do is we'll take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to come in and we'll get into, we've already started kind of on solutions and stuff like that. We'll talk about some of the more patients and uh, that he's helping over there at his in his practice. We'll throw a little nuke in and we'll wrap up. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. And there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Jonathan Chung. We've been talking about the vagus nerve. It's a big nerve, and it's a big deal, especially for those of you that have had traumatic brain injuries, um, multiple sclerosis, strokes, stuff like that. And then um, it's something you, you, you called it POTS. It was like... <laughs> Sure. For people that have had viral issues similar to like COVID because it was a viral issue where they're sitting down and they get up and their heart rate goes through the roof that starts getting anxiety and it's just a, not a fun way to live. So he's been actually treating patients like that. So, so let me, let's just go through this really quick, man. So what, um, let's say somebody has stroke, right? And, um, what's the, what's the protocol when they come in to see, is it kind of standardized or it kind of depends? A lot of my patients um, will get an individualized treatment regimen for them, just depending on what their abilities are and what their main goal is. So like someone with a stroke, they could have a cascade of symptoms that they're having problems with. So we're going to find the one that is bothering them the most and try to solve that one. Um, so the first thing that we'll do is we'll check them doing our NUCA protocol with them. So we'll take x-rays of their neck. We'll see how their atlas alignment looks because that has a big influence on your vagus nerve function and also on the status of a lot of the nerves throughout your body too. 
then we will go through a neurological exam with them and we'll kind of assess what are their current abilities because once we know what their current abilities are, then we can start to design a rehabilitation program to try to maximize what their abilities could be. So let's say if they had a stroke and they had some paralysis of their legs, then we're going to put a lot of effort into rehabilitating that leg function and we'll use vagus nerve stimulation as a piece of you know, stimulating the autonomic nervous system to improve plasticity and help them learn how to use their leg a little bit faster. But we might use things like low-level laser therapy on parts of the brain there where they had the stroke. So we can start to help some of the neurons surrounding the stroked out area of the brain start to, you know, work a little bit better. We might use electrical stimulation on the area of the body that is damaged or the area of the body that's paralyzed so we can start to wake up the nervous system in that area because they're not getting the communication from that part of the brain that had the stroke anymore. And then we'll just find the hardest activity that they can do well and have them practice that over and over and over again while we're doing these neurological stimulation techniques so we can get the very most out of that part of the nervous system that we possibly can. And we'll use that to improve their function to the very best that we can possible. And if we hit a roadblock, then we're going to teach them how to learn how to compensate with whatever ability that we weren't able to get back. So let's say that we improve their leg function like 30 or 40%, and that's all that we were able to get in that short amount of time. Then we'll teach people new movement strategies to help use their body in a way that they can still accomplish the tasks that they want to do, even if they have a little bit of that paresis in that limb or organ system. That's got to be really rewarding too, to take somebody that's can't really do some activities of daily living and get their life back. Um, so let's give us some, give us, give me a couple of recent examples. Let's, uh, let's go through somebody with MS as an example. You don't have to give their name, but give us a recent case of a success story of somebody that you've worked with with MS and what you did. Yeah. So we actually have a patient that we're currently working with MS and, you know, they basically have committed to basically seeing us every day for rehabilitation and, when he initially started with us, you know, he was very fatigued. Um, he could barely walk more than like a few hundred steps without getting fatigued and without his leg giving out from under him. So he had a lot of right-sided weakness. So his arm was weak, his leg was weak. Um, and, you know, he was working with a functional medicine doctor to help address the autoimmune component of things. And then our job was to help try to get strength back in his right side. So from the time that we've been working with him, he's now able to walk about, you know, 1,500, almost 2,000 steps before his leg starts to give out on him. He's able to squat now. He's able to jump on both of his legs. He's still a little bit clumsy when he's doing it, but he's able to do some of these movements again. And he's gradually starting to get more and more movement and activity from that. Um, before, when you watched him walk, it was very obvious which side of him was weak. And you could tell that, you know, the right side, he was collapsing towards that right side. If you watched him walk now, he could probably walk 500 steps before you knew that he was showing like an abnormality in the way that he was walking. So, you know, he's experienced quite a significant change um, with that in terms of uh, MS. And a lot of MS patients, we help them with their balance too. So we'll have them go where they can't stand or hold a standing position for more than 30 seconds. And we'll frequently get people where they could stand for, you know, several minutes at a time before their balance starts to give away on them. So those, those are some of our classic examples. Okay. And do you guys, do you help them out with nutrition as well at your office? 
I do very little of nutrition counseling. Like I'll give people nutritional principles, but I usually refer out to, you know, or they'll defer to people at either Hippocrates or some of the other functional medicine doctors that I work with and they'll manage the nutrition side of things. Um, so have you, have you got some like go-tos like for MS? I know like we've, um, you know, when we have clients that have MS, um, you know, what I've been taught, the theory is it's a virus attacking the fatty tissue of the brain. So we want to bolster and strengthen those glial cells, the fat, fatty cells of the brain, which would be like, you know, uh, there's a company called E3 Live Brain On. It's a blue-green algae that can go through the blood-brain barrier, gets the brain. There's also um, Hippocrates has a product called Conscious Brain. Do you, are, do you hook them up with those two things or what other things do you do like that? Like standard. Um, I the main things that I've tried to get my patients focusing on is try to get their omega-3 levels as good as you can get them. So, you know, if you're going the plant-based route, then getting the algae, but we'll also recommend like getting a plant-based omega-3 with turmeric because there's a synergy between the omega-3 and the turmeric that helps the brain absorb some of those compounds a little bit better. So that's okay. one of the routes that we'll take with that. Um, just in just a general principle, like MS tends to be an um, autoimmune inflammatory issues. Yeah. So the more yeah. you could get into an anti-inflammatory style diet, which, you know, whole food plant-based, you know, you know, ticks all those boxes on um, there from the start. So that's, that's a big aspect of that. Yeah. We don't have, we don't have an Omega product over here yet at chemical free body, but we do have what I believe is the most powerful turmeric product on the planet. It's a, it's called turmeric 100. You should check it out. We have actually a lot of functional medicine clinics that use it as their cool. go-to it's uh, I don't know if I told you about it, but it's like 185 fold or times more anti-inflammatory than regular turmeric because we we took the curcuminoids, the active in the root, and we ran it through a mechanical process that made it so small. Think of it like nanoparticles almost. It's so tiny. It goes right through the mucous membrane in your mouth, directly into the blood and directly into the cell. So it can actually go through the blood brain barrier and reduce uh, inflammation in the brain. Which is pretty oh, that's cool. Cute. Yeah, it's, it it's is. pretty legit. Each little, each little, I think it's like one or two. It's like a little bottle, little tiny tincture bottle, and a liquid suspended. And we don't use, you know, toxic emulsifiers. So you actually have to shake it every time you use it. So because the mm -hmm. the constituents will settle. But there's actually it's the equivalent, dude. Each little bottle is equivalent to like fifty pounds of turmeric root of the of the actives. Nice. It's it, it's, it's legit. So. That and then you could do like the E3 Live Brain on is the great 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 grandfather of all the omega three oils. It's the algae at the from a, a freshwater lake. Um, also, there's another company called Meta Organics has a red raspberry seed extract oil. And then I also use on the daily like now for my salads and stuff. I switched over to because they had him on Udo Erasmus. He's a uh, you know Udo's oils mm -hmm. three three six nine blend. I use that one. Because the the way he extracts the oil and you know it's very minimal processing and the in the right blends for the omegas and stuff like that. So hopefully those will give uh, our listeners some uh, some good options to 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 um, add into their lifestyle, regardless. Um, but especially if they had like MS. All right, so let's talk about uh, let's let's go to like a traumatic brain injury uh, patient you've got recently, um, uh, like somebody got in an accident you're working with. Sure. So traumatic brain injury is probably the thing that we're kind of most famous for over here. So we got into uh, traumatic brain injury a lot because of, you know, there's a big equestrian community in Wellington area where we practice and people are falling off their horses, hitting their heads mm. all the time. So, you know, we see a lot of traumatic brain injury patients like very routinely. And a lot of them have gone through like having months of 
you know, TBI symptoms, most commonly they're going to be headache and dizziness. And a lot of the time with those types of brain injury patients, like within, you know, two, three weeks of getting adjusted and doing some, you know, vestibular eye head exercises, a lot of them will get upwards of 50, 60% reduction in their symptoms. And if we keep going, a lot of them will like can go like even long periods without any symptoms at all. So like, that's where we have like, you know, case after case of TBI patients that do really, really well with a lot of the work that we do here. Um, so much That's of awesome. TBI not only happens at the brain, but it also like if you had a head injury, like there's a very good shot that you probably injured your neck too. So just by fixing the neck component, the neck component is oftentimes the lagger, the lagging part, because a lot of concussion patients can get better on their own within like mm. a month. But if they continue to have symptoms after a month, it's usually because either their eyes don't work well, their neck doesn't work well, or their balance system in their inner ear doesn't work well. And if we rehabilitate those systems, and a lot of really cool magic happens sometimes very, very quickly. So that's when it's hard to pick from one story because like we, we literally see a TBI patient almost on a weekly basis. Well, yeah. And you know, when I was down in Florida, there's that I-95 and like people, dude, I'm, I'm going 85, <clears throat> which is like faster than I ever drive anywhere, but it's like, <clears throat> I feel like I'm in the slow lane and like literally driving 85 miles an hour. And then there was these three cars, like, Boom, boom, boom. I mean, they just woof, they went by me like I was standing still. And then like every other billboard all up and down I-95 is like accident attorney. Like mm -hmm. people are crashing, going like nutbags up and down that freeway. You probably get a lot of uh, auto accidents too, I'd imagine. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, you know, car crashes are a way of life around here for sure because people are just crazy, terrible drivers. But yeah, it's definitely one of the consequences is we'll see an increased rate of um, traumatic brain injury just from that. All right. So I, I might have a traumatic brain injury. Um, I'm going to have you assess me real quick. So <laughs> back a long time ago, uh, when I used to drink alcohol, um, I um, was there. I, I I, something was happening inside the limo. We were, it was my buddy it was one of my buddies was getting married and it was actually my other friend's limo. He actually had a limo cause he was like big into partying and entertaining people for business and stuff like that. So he just decided to get his own limo. It'd be cheaper than keep renting one. So we're taking Todd's limo out and something happened and I was sitting to the next guy next to me and I got up and I faked it. I faked like I was going to hit my head on the, on the window. You know, because and, and then and then these other three guys, Todd and Calvin and John were looking at me and they started egging me on. And they were John and Calvin were like, oh, you're going to you're going to break you're going to break the window with your head and stuff like that. And I wasn't going to. I was just joking around. But then they started challenging me and I had some booze in me, you know, so I thought I was like, oh, whatever. And then I was like, I could do it, you know, and like, no, you can't. You can't do it. It's like I'm like a little two year old kid. And then and then I looked at Todd. I go, is it OK if I try? And he's like give her hell so i went wham and i hit the window and i smashed the window with my forehead and then i sat down or my top of my head and then i sat down and i and i looked at my other buddy and i was like dude am i bleeding like am i all right and i was like getting glasses in my hair and he's like he looked and he's like no nothing and it was like it was it was like the, it, calvin's wife got pissed because that became the story at the reception and like it kind of lost sight of the reception it was just it was a bad mm. deal but did, did i get a do you think I hurt myself permanently from doing that? Like put my head through a window? So a couple important things. Like, did you have any symptoms afterwards? So did you feel dazed or confused? Did well, I can't remember because, like... well, maybe then yeah. I can't remember that I was drinking that day. So I probably didn't feel nothing. I was numb. 
But um, because the reason I brought up is some some nurse told me one time that I had like I need to go to a hospital. But I'm like, dude, that was like four years ago. You know, now it's been like. I can't even tell you. It's been 20 years or something like that since I did it. So it would be hard to say. You might have had something called a subclinical brain injury. So there's like one of the things that people see like in football players. Yeah. Is like the people that are most likely to develop um, some of these brain diseases after a career in football are people like the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, the people that are colliding all the time. Yeah. But those aren't the people that are most likely to suffer a concussion, right? Because they will continue to hit themselves over and over again, but they never get to a point where they actually feel dazed or knocked out, where they actually pull themselves out of the game. So they just continue to hit each other over and over and over again. And there's the accumulation of that head trauma where you're getting these subconcussive head impacts over and over again. And you're creating this inflammatory response inside your brain with every time that you hit your head, especially if it's happening in rapid succession. So in you those cases, literally become a fat head. Correct. So like in those cases, like, you know, it's actually worse because you're creating this subclinical inflammation that is going to persist over time. Yeah. Whereas if you have a concussion, you do suffer a brain injury, but it's one of those situations where you get taken out of the sport, you take a week or two off from the sport, yeah. you recover, and then you're kind of back to normal after about 30 days for many people. And that's like almost a better scenario than having these subconcussive impacts. So you might have had a subconcussive impact where it never actually proceeded to like getting a concussion. And it's not really clear if you had a brain injury from that, so to speak. But if it's something where if you hit your head like that over and over again, then certainly yeah. over time, you would probably develop some brain symptoms. Well, thank, thank you for that. And just as another prime example, uh, why to remove alcohol from your life. Um, after I went to Hippocrates and actually got kind of cleaned up, like literally from the inside out. I started rethinking about my life and I look back on alcohol and like all the bad things that have ever happened to me, like that moment were all alcohol related. I mean, we can laugh and joke around it, but how dumb Tim was, but my friends still think it's super funny because um, it makes a story or whatever. But the reality was, is like, it could have been way worse, dude. What if I, what, I could have paralyzed myself or something or gashed my head open or, you know, who knows? It's just, it's, it wasn't cool, you know? So yeah. Anyway, um, well, that's really awesome, man. So you have a really interesting practice over there. So you take Nuka chiropractic, uh, you do a major adjustment at the base of the brain, which is very profound, um, that changes the function of the entire nervous system. You're using uh, electronic stimulation for the actual parts, whether it's the hand or the foot or the knee to get that stimulated to re regrow that movement again. You're doing laser therapy to certain parts of the brain to stimulate the brain. Um, to get it activated and going again. And you're also helping to stimulate the vagus nerve to help the entire body rebuild its system and to help build those new neural pathways in the brain so the brain can use other parts of the brain to start helping these people carry out their activities of daily living. Just amazing stuff, my friend. Um, and um, was there anything else on the vagus nerve that you think is profound that people should know because it's, you know, in parting words here? Yeah, I mean, there's so much to the vagus nerve and just like having this deep appreciation for how much of your body is just run automatically by nerves like that, that just run in the background. And just thinking about like the fact that, listen, your heartbeat beats 30,000 times a day. And if we had to think about doing that consciously, like it would drive us mad. Right. And it's all under the control of this single nerve that is just like, all right, just keep this steady heartbeat. Let's keep bump blood pumping throughout our system. And you have all these digestive organs that like you eat lunch and we take, we take, for granted the fact that whatever we ate 
has to go through this super complicated process of going through our intestines. It has to release the correct glands into our intestines to break down the nutrients. And then all these tiny little finger-like villi inside of our intestines have to grab all the good stuff and leave all the bad stuff out. And that's all under the control of like things like the vagus nerve and these subconscious systems that are happening in our body. So even before the level of like the vagus nerve having this really profound healing impact on us, it's just like this thing that is just like keeping us alive without it's when it's working well, it's happening like effortlessly and we don't have to think about it. And like, you know, we should be super grateful and thankful that something like this just happens (laughs) in the background when we're healthy. And it's our job to just keep our bodies as healthy as possible so that vagus nerve can work the way it was intended to so that you don't need people like me to keep it working because the default mode of our body should be for it to work naturally on its own. Well, you brought up the word grateful. And before you brought it up, I was just thinking like how grateful we should be that when we wake up, that number one, we woke up, that we have this body. And depending on if it's running like a top or if it's in disrepair, it's like, you know, it's we are so fortunate. This body is amazing. It is a complete system. It works together. And again, like if you're in, if you're if you're out there listening and you're not where you want to be with your health right now, get excited about it. Right. So when, when you, if you had a traumatic brain injury or you had, you know, a stroke or whatever, you know, people look at those things as bad. I don't look at that stuff as bad anymore. I look at these things as wake up calls. These things are an opportunity for you to really get in tune with your body because your life was probably so, you know, modern and fast paced and all this stuff is going on. And then um, or maybe you just weren't truly happy. You didn't know it. And all of a sudden you have this major diagnosis. You got stage four this. You got a traumatic brain injury. You got MS. Now it's like and now you got to pause for a moment like, whoa. I got to take care of this body. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to get around, do what I need to do, do my activities of daily living, live, be a good dad, good mom, brother, aunt, sister, kid, be able to play sports, do whatever I want to do, live, go for a walk, you know, go out and see the beauty of nature, a clear blue mountain lake, whatever it is. Like we have to have this, this, this gift that we've been given. And a lot of times when these struggles come, don't look at them as struggles, guys. Look at them as a gift. It's a gift. If it's been presented to you, it's something for you to overcome. Something, And then you can plug into people like Jonathan and myself, and we all have our own ways of doing stuff. We come together. We can share this information with you. You can go take action on it. You become your own doctor. You self-heal. And then what, when you go through the gauntlet of that stuff, it, it, you look back like my friend Charles, he healed himself of cancer. And it's like, all right, like uh, this is amazing. Like now I'm going to kick ass. And then he just starts kicking ass in life. And I just talked to another gal. She had breast cancer. And she's like, after you conquer breast cancer, she's like, it's, I'm like on the top of Mount Everest. Well, what do I do next? It's like she feels invincible, like there's nothing she can't do now, right? So anyway, I just wanted to say that there was something else I was going to bring up, but um, I'm forgetting it right now, so it must not be that important. But um, (laughs) anyway, brother, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today, um, telling us your backstory. It was really cool and um, and really educate us on this, uh, on the vagus nerve and how important it is and, you know, how the nervous system in general works and, and how you can incorporate multifaceted approaches like you do with, you know, with the Nuka chiropractic and the, and the, and the neural stimulation, and you've got the electronic stimulation and the, and the laser stimulation and, you know, motor skills and, and just training people. And then you throw the nutrition in on the top. And as you guys can see, there's, there's lots of things that you can do and things you can stack together um, as far as healthy habits and, 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 and getting professionals in your life to help you rehabilitate yourself, even in the worst of cases, like these traumatic brain injuries. Okay. So now besides that, um, any parting words for the guests just in general? I think one of the things that we didn't touch on that I think is always super important is like 
when it comes to the vagus nerve function, one of the best things that you could do for yourself is learn how to breathe and also mm, yes, improve your cardiovascular you. fitness. So when it comes to vagus nerve function, slowing down your breath and especially breathing in a way where you're exhaling longer than you're inhaling is super therapeutic for your vagus nerve. And one of the things that you could do to chronically elevate your vagus nerve is to improve your cardiovascular fitness. So the people that have the best scores on their vagus nerve output are going to be people that are endurance athletes. So the people that are able to run for long periods of time or bike for long periods of time, there's a correlation between how much cardiovascular stress that you could take on during exercise and how well your vagus nerve is going to work in order to get it back to homeostasis from doing some of these hard endurance training. So, you know, if one, there's one, two things that you can do for yourself to improve your vagus nerve function, it's breathe deeper and slower, and it's to go out and get a lot more cardio. And it doesn't have to be hard cardio, but just yeah, going walking, out and, hiking, yeah, move, walking, move the body, hiking, move swimming. the body and do it for a long period of time. And like the effects that it's going to have on your vagus nerve can be profound, even without any type of therapy from someone like yeah. me. Yeah, and if you're just getting started in a workout program, we always say take baby steps. So I'd probably recommend if you've never worked out before, probably a 100-mile ultra marathon in Death Valley would be a good place to start. That would really <laughs> kick off the vagus nerve. <laughs> just kidding. That's, that's a little bit too much. Maybe walk to the mailbox and back. Let's start there. But um, that would be a good place to start. Okay, so if you guys want to check out uh, Dr. Chung, go to chiropractorwellington.com. That's chiropractor wellington.com his business is called keystone chiropractic and neuroplasticity and um he's down in the uh, south florida what, what actually what town are you in down there bud uh we're in a town called royal palm beach um it's next oh, to yeah. a town called wellington so we're kind of straddling that uh, that city line do you make it to the beach much uh not too too much <laughs> um we, Dude, we you got to get over there. It's amazing. It's it so is, funny. It People is. live next to it. And they don't go. I'm like, I know. I'm six hours things. from the beach. <laughs> we don't take advantage of it when it's right in our backyard. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're a pretty busy guy. You're out there helping a lot of people. I hope you make it to the beach more, but we appreciate what you're doing to help mankind. Um, and guys, remember, less than 4% of the population is actually being served by chiropractic care. Why? Uh, if, you, if you don't have a chiropractor in your, in your repertoire, get one. You want to have a good really good dentist, uh, like a good biological dentist. You want to have a really good chiropractor, somebody to work with your nervous system, your bones and stuff like that. And neuroplastic, all these kind of things. Uh, very important people to have in your life. Uh, let's see what else would be some good ones. A massage therapist, very critical to calm that nervous system. And then, um, you know, somebody, a good body work specialist too. You know, some people that are doing like some deep, really getting in there, you know, um, uh, and doing some deep tissue work and stuff like that, like rolfing. As an example, these can be good people to have on your healing team. And I will say this in, 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 in conclusion here is like my, 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 one of my favorite people on the planet, our formulator, Dr. Scott Treadway, who's also a, a Marine veteran. Um, you know, he, you know, he's had a great life. Uh, he, you know, meditation every day, hour, two hours, he does yoga. He's in great, he was in great shape. And then he got hit with, um, he got, um, uh, what he get? He got hepatitis C out of nowhere. And, you know, I was joking around because like I said, well, I know you're not a swinger and you're not doing needles. So, but you know, you could pick up something like that with a guy in his seventies, he was able to take a hit and come back and heal naturally where his Western medicine was telling him, you know, just pack your bags and, you know, write your will basically, cause you're done. And he was able to heal himself and stuff like that. But you know, what he told me was, he goes, I'm actually back to 
doing more of the stuff that I, I was doing that I kind of drifted away from. He had his healing team. That's what we're talking about here. His, his, his chiropractor seeing on a weekly basis, seeing his massage therapist. So he was actually going back to that stuff. Why? To speed up the healing process. Cause he had a traumatic injury type thing happen. And he's like, yeah, he goes, I can't believe I drifted away from some of that stuff because it served me so well for so long. So this is another reminder for those of you, if you've not gotten your team in place, your nutritionist, all this stuff until you can do it all on your own. Uh, but, you know, get your team in place. And if you had your team in place and you've drifted, come on back, call them up, get back in the swing of things. Keep that body tuned up. It's a system. It's like a car. It's like a tractor. It needs maintenance. It needs constant maintenance and constant love. And if you do that, it's going to take care of you for a long time and get you where you need to go. All right, Health Arrows, thank you so much for tuning in. I love you guys. Until next time, change yourself, change your world, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. Ha, ha, ha.